Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Keith Foster. I write the comics Kadoja and Three Protectors, and I'm a managing partner at Invader Comics. And I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanders of Melisanda for the Accidental Aliens. Yeah, but we all know that. But what we don't know is the question on the tip of everyone's tongue, which is what are you drinking to get amped up for this podcast? Okay, so I think this is two weeks in a row. No, no, it's not. Last week was the crazy beer with Gary. So the week before, I believe I had a Smog City Brewing Company beer. Um, I think it was Park Hopper. But I believe it was Smog City. I know it was Park Hopper. I can't remember if it's Smog City or not, but I think it was. Uh, this week, I have another Smog City Brewing Company. These are actually left over from my guy trip. Um, at the end of those trips, we usually still have a refrigerator full of alcohol, and we kind of just split it up between everyone and say, hey, what do you what do you feel like taking? We kind of do fantasy draft and pull the ones that we want, right? Mm-hmm. So I end up with a couple of these bad boys, and this one is Saber Tooth Toothed squirrel hoppy amber ale and it is citrus pine light caramel so uh very interested in what this is going to taste like this is seven percent what is it it's like an ipa but with caramel in it hoppy amber ale and oh then, hoppy oh wow okay so it's an amber ale with notes of caramel and it and it's hoppy yeah. that sounds bizarre caramel, <laughs> so I'm really eager. caramel pine and citrus so yeah, I remember I camped under a caramel pine once. Um, and all you do is you just sit under the pine cones and you wait for them to fall directly on your face or in your mouth. And they're great. <laughs> they might break your teeth, but they taste like caramel just a little bit. And? It's okay. Um, I do get that. <laughs> what, a, what a ringing endorsement. That yeah, is. <laughs> yeah. I, I am getting the pine and the caramel. Um, a okay. very light. It, it is very accurate. It's a very light caramel. But I'm getting mm-hmm. the pine more than anything. Um, I'll let you know by the end of the pod how I feel about it. Yeah, yeah. We know that that's the true the true test. How about you, my friend? What do you got? Okay. I am drinking. I think we talked about that. I can't remember if I talked about this on air. Um, but I am drinking Dead and Dead by Rogue. And they have a clever thing here. Dead and Dead complements the flavor profile of our classic Dead Guy Ale with oak, vanilla, and fruit notes from the Oak Dead Guy Whiskey Barrel Chips. Interesting. It's got a little it's got a little bit of that too. It's basically an amber ale that has a whiskey barrel finish to it. So, it is in the same phylum as Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale. It's not it's I don't like it as much as Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale, but what I do like is it's 16 ounces and I'm out of Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale. Like you can't just drink the same beer all the time even if it's variations on something you like. So, I got to right. say, I like this a bunch. I bought a four pack and this is my second one and I was really looking forward to drinking it while we got going on the podcast here. 9.5%. Oh shit. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be whatever the fuck we drank last 17.8 to 22 apparently or something yeah, like that. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I texted you guys afterwards. I woke up with a headache, son. Like it was like <laughs> So yeah. I mean, you know, n- nothing nothing ambitious, nothing that one excedrin couldn't wipe out entirely. But I was still surprised that I woke up, you know, in the middle of the night, maybe four or five a.m., and I was like, "Whoa, that is that is a headache." Yeah, I had a little bit of one, and then by the time I got up, it was gone. So, yeah, yeah. I, I remember waking up in the middle of the night, and I'm like, "Oh, there's something there." And then by yeah. the time I woke up, it was it was out of there. So I was happy yeah. happy about that. Yeah. So, but yeah, it sounds like we have a very um, forest centric beer today for both of us. So, 
yeah, you're enjoying yours, and I'll, I'll let you guys know. So I'm, I'm undecided, undecided. Which is my name. I believe we've talked about this before. Keith means wood, and Foster means forest. So my name is actually Wood Forest. So I'm a, this is back to my roots. No, pun Is this intended. real? Yeah, that's really my, I'm not fucking kidding at all. Oh, that's crazy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, bonkers, right? Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I, I bullshit so much that it sounded like I was just pulling that out of my ass, but that's really what my name means. Uh, um, my name is uh, from someone from Scotland. Oh, yeah. Good yeah. point. Good point. It's not accurate at all. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, names are names. But, yeah, you know, there there was a Keith in Scotland, right? Like, we, the family wanted it more than I did. They're like, boy, do we really want to go to Keith. I mean, I love the idea of taking a, a you know, a photo in front of Keith, sign and all that stuff. But, yeah, man, the town had, like, nothing to it. There's, like, three distilleries in the middle of nowhere, and only one was open to tours. And it's like, it is not worth driving an hour and a half out of our way. Way oh, just no. for a photo op, you know? No, definitely not. All right. So with that, we are here. And it's time for you to talk, tell me and the listeners, what was the first thing you did this week? So I am plugging away at Drawtober. I checked it out, and I am only five days ahead. I know that's that's pretty good still, right? Like five days ahead is, right. you know, still better than, you know, no days ahead. But I was hoping to <laughs> have... Yeah, I was hoping to have like seven. And uh, so anyway, I need to step it up. I have a couple of days where I'm actually doing other things, so I won't be able to draw. And uh, one of them, well, actually, I might be able to draw that night. I'm actually going to see you and Ed over the weekend. We're going to hang out. We're going to record a pod, uh, check out some comics and some beers and some food. So that'll be a good, fun day. And then I have another day where I'm actually going up to the Bay Area to watch the Lakers, Warriors, uh, opening game yeah yeah so that those two days uh, it's a uh, tuesday wednesday and so those are the days i'd imagine i'm not getting much of any drawing done so i need to make sure i work ahead as much as possible these next few days and mm-hmm. really build that buffer so um yeah yeah that's that's something um so yeah drawtober is is going and hopefully i'll just keep widening that gap and uh you know not slow down too too much what have you? What are your thoughts on this draw, Drawtober in terms of, I don't know, any any thoughts you want to have? Your process, your output, how much you're liking your work, how much you're liking your choice of art to to tackle this Drawtober versus previous Drawtobers? Easier, harder, more fun, less fun? What what are you thinking? It's different. It's it's very much different. So this one, I have two characters who essentially are slugging it out. And that's basically all they can really do. Um, they don't have any superpowers or anything. They're anthropomorphic animals. One's a saber-toothed tiger. One is something. I don't know what this guy is. <laughs> um, I have it written down somewhere. I don't know what kind of dinosaur he is. But um, Alien race in Scott's mind. That's yes, all that matters. exactly. That's all that matters. All yeah. these dinosaurs that are on the planet Melisanda are not the same dinosaurs of our planet. So it doesn't really matter, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah. It's your fucking universe. Yeah. Yeah. So they're just slugging it out. And, um, you know, I just have to find different ways to make that interesting. So it's just a, it's going to be a 31-day fight scene, more or less. I mean, you're going to get some facial expressions, um, moments of the characters talking or something like that at interesting angles. And um, the benefit of the last two years was... Year 2020, um, it was Switch versus LaGrange. LaGrange is essentially 
a beat em up, just really strong bad guy. Um, and but Eddie is a shapeshifter. So there's a lot I can do there. I can change things up, like however he's attacking, it makes things more interesting. Um, there was a vehicle at the beginning of that story, so that made it different. There were soldiers. So there was a lot of things going on in that particular issue where I could switch it up and it wasn't so monotonous in a way. And um, But this one, there's going to be a little bit of variation as I get towards the end of the month. And that'll go into the rest of the story. You know, like I said, this is only going to tackle the first eight or nine pages. So it's not the whole book. And um, the 2021, the difference with that one is it was inside, it was, you know, uh, Maestro Mentallo versus Light Shower, who's on second shift. And it was a battle within Light Shower's mind. You know, and so that way I could do some like freaky deaky stuff, you know, like he's hallucinating. There's just weird shit going on. So that made it really entertaining. That made made it, I don't know, like whatever I could think of, I can do in that story. So that was mm -hmm. really fun. That was the difference with that one. So this one, it's kind of cut and dry. And so, you know, it's a little more rigorous, like in that sense where it's, it's like there's not as much play there. But the thing that I do like about this one is it's moving the story along which I need help with with Wanderers. Like, okay, we need to move this thing along more because the pace in which I draw this book is so much slower than Second Shift. So um, I, I do appreciate that, but I also already have an idea for next year's Drawtober, which I'm really excited about, and I'm thinking of doing Second Shift versus Public Domain. So every day okay. I'm going to do a public domain image with the characters facing off. So I'm already excited about that one. So it, and then that one I get to vary as much as I want because you know it's just random other public domain characters. So that'll be a lot of fun. But I'm enjoying this one in a different kind of way compared to those other stories. But it's it's more of a straight up, you know, story compared to the others. Yeah. Hey, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's basically more of a brawl. Right. Mm -hmm. to, yep. to, you know, you know what I was thinking of as you were talking about brawl and just that it's straight ahead, because, of course, I'm looking at the panel. So it's very brawly. Reminds me a lot of the uh, the vision that Del Toro had for the first Pacific Rim movie, where uh, a lot of the um, Jaeger moves were, were Lucha Libre moves. Right. Oh, they were, okay. they're, they're basically wrestling moves. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a lot of a lot of wrestling type stuff went into the Jaegers and how they were going to fight. So anyway, just the kind of thing that you think about when someone's talking and you're thinking of analogies and all that stuff. So very cool, man. Yeah, you're you're obviously since we record this in advance, you're really only about halfway through Drawtober, even though Drawtober, even though this is going to air much later in October. So, hey, that's the buffer party people. You You know the deal. You know the deal. That's that's what it takes to give you a five star podcast experience. That's right. That's and that's why we don't miss any week is because we got to yeah. make sure that buffer's there for you guys, just in case something comes up and you know you're out of town or I'm out of town and we're not right. able to record that week and uh, you know stuff like this helps for sure. Exactly, and that's a great lesson for all of you out there if you're looking to do your own podcast because the lesson is don't just listen to making comics instead. <laughs> what about right, you, man? So... What's your uh, first thing? <laughs> Yeah, uh, my first thing is we're going to talk novel a little bit. So I really only have two things. The first thing is going to going to be a bit of a 1A and 1B as we talk about the novel. So if you remember, Scott, a few weeks ago, I talked about the idea that I was booking this hotel room for myself. That's still coming up. That's not this current weekend, but it's next weekend. And I had targeted this date of being done. Let me think about this. It would have been October 21st. That's when I was going to be done with the novel. And by the way, 
for those of you listening on the day this airs, it's done. The novel is done today because that's the date I'm working toward, you know? So when this airs, man, just, just know somewhere, somehow I am either done with my novel or I am about to finish it. And I am going to bust open that celebratory scotch that I've been keeping on ice for two years, figuratively. I don't actually have it on ice. Um, (laughs) So I had mentioned that, you know, this was going to be a big finish and that I was going to do this thorough, detailed line edit of the novel. And it was time to end out October 21st. I finished it on October 11th. Oh, that's how that's how hard I worked ahead. So. You know, you can you can do the math. I guess we can do the math right now. The way that the math had worked out is if I edited, if I thoroughly edited, line edit, you know, down to the word, six pages a day, I was going to be done by October 21st. I finished 10 days early, which means that I worked 60 pages ahead through the days. So some days I would only do six because it took a while. Some days I might do eight. Some days I got to the six and it was a lot of dialogue and dialogue since it bounces back and forth, not as thorough. You know, the descriptions, the interiority, those things are the things that are going to take more time because the dialogue rolls faster even as you're, you're writing it and thinking it and all that stuff. So yeah, man, I basically beat my my expected time by 10 days. So really, really liking that. Really liking that. Um, but then along the way, I uh, so uh, I'm trying let, let me let me speak in analogy instead of using the exact example of my uh, of my novel, okay? Um, let's let's say theoretically that the lead character in my book is a painter. So again, considering, remember that I am changing things up to protect the innocent here, the innocent being my novel. Um, I had this thought and I basically said, if my lead is a painter, what's the name, what are the names of a couple of his paintings? And I didn't fucking know, (laughs) right? So again, this goes back to whatever you want to say, what kind of chips they like, what kind of whatever. This is the important shit, right? Because so what happened was, The idea of having him be a painter, again, just follow the analogy, don't listen for details, was a recent addition, you know, within like the last five or six months. And I had never gotten got around to that deep level of thinking of like how this works and how that works. So once that happened, that led to another layer of deep thinking, which made me realize that I have to do another thorough pass of the novel, which is what I've been doing in addition to the six plus uh, uh, pages of editing I've been doing every day. So I've mentioned I'm basically doing double work in this novel as we get toward the finish line because I just want to finish it. I'm, I'm waking up early. I'm trying to get through the editing part as quickly as possible. And then sometime later, dinner, evening, whenever it is, I, I get back to it. And then I work on this B list, this other current of stuff that I'm working on. So I'm happy to say that that was, that was the thing that I, I worked on. But even better there was this little sag. What what started this whole thing, actually, this this new idea of the quote unquote painter, um, and and naming the paintings, was that as I was reading backward, I realized that there was this little sag at the beginning of Act Two. There were three or four snippets slash scenes in a row where I felt the momentum of the story was being lost. So I'm like, how can I build up the momentum of this story? Like, it shouldn't feel like it's sagging like this. This is just me thinking it's sagging. So I'm happy to say that by doing these other fixes, it addressed the sag that that was at the beginning of Act 2. 
And we've talked about this before. Act two is a monster. Act two is the thing that drives most people crazy because you got to complicate things and you got to bring the reader through and you got to make it fun and interesting and and just, you know, creepy if it's horror or funny if it's humor. And act two is double the length of either act one or act three. Again, the standard novel thing is uh, act one is the first 25% of your novel. Act two is the middle 50% of your novel. And act three is the final 25% of your novel. So act two is twice the damn size. And so it can be the thing that most novelists hate. So I'm happy to say that I'm already through that. That that was that hatched and has now grown up into a gorgeous, I don't know, chicken. And uh, <laughs> and now and now I'm done with the editing. So all I have is a couple other smaller things that I need to get done by next week. And uh, and then next week I also have things like the query letter edit, the agent finish list you know, uh, happening, the, um, the, the synopsis and all that stuff's going to be done by the time I'm, I'm coming back down the mountain on October 24th. So anyway, really cool stuff. And just a ton of work, so much work. I can't even convey. I mean, just if I had to guess, we're talking about two and a half hours of work a day, something like that, just plugging through it. And like we've talked about before, just finding time, 30 minutes at lunch, 30 minutes at lunch, 45 minutes in the morning, 45 minutes in the evening. You're at two hours already if you just find ways to steal that time. And that's what I did. Dude, that's freaking amazing. That's that's great. You finished, uh, was that 10 days early, basically, right? Yeah. 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 That's, that's awesome, that's, man. Yeah, even with the extra work. So anyway, so yeah, I'm, I'm really happy about that. We're getting close. And uh, again, by the time this podcast airs, I will be either finished or finishing soon, depending on what time of day you listen to this. Okay, so I'm curious. So now you've basically worked so far ahead that you've completed your task. What are you going to do up in the mountains, man? What are you going to do while you're there? Oh, I'm saving the finishing move. So I still have two things to do for the novel that are going to take up my next week or two. So okay. now what I what I have is a final checklist. Basically, I am thoroughly editing the final two scenes of the novel. One of them is going to my workshop uh, compatriots. And I'm going to get notes on that next week, and I will have enough time to make that fix. It is a standalone story within the novel, so whatever I have to fix in that part of the novel won't affect anything else. It's very self-contained. And then I have to finish the final scene. And, uh, and I had to wait on the final scene until I did all this other work. So now I've done all this other work, and those are the only two real novel tasks I have to do. There's a third task, which is get the query letter completed. And a fourth task, which is do a synopsis of the novel, because I've since I've already looked up agents, I know that my initial list of agents, there are at least three or four that want a synopsis as part of your initial submission. Mm. So I got to do it and I got to work on it. So I still have a pretty busy schedule. I've got those four things to do. And then I also have the Microsoft read aloud that I'm go that that's the thing that I am going to do the final weekend. So the sooner I get the novel done the more days I can just take off and free my brain and think about something else and then go up to Arrowhead knowing I'm doing the whole read-through of the novel right now as, again, a very bad audio book. But, but again, the more days I finish in advance, the more clear my head's going to be when it's time for me to listen to that novel, um, you know, a weekend from now. Hell yeah, man. That's freaking cool. It's I like yeah. that you've basically done the majority of it, so when you're there, you're not kind of like pushing yourself the whole time to just try to right. get it done before your 24 hours is up you know it's just like okay exactly. let me let me save these 
particular parts and like the ending is kind of the reward so it's nice that you're leaving that and so mm-hmm. it, it does feel like okay i finished this here in my sanctuary out in the mountains you know like mm-hmm. like very cool very cool i dig that totally Totally. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. So anyway, uh, so with that, let's go to your second thing. What's the second thing you did this week? You know what? Let me let me ask you. Are you going to do Novel November this year? Oh man, you beat me to it. I was going to talk about it next week. Oh okay, okay. I am absolutely I am absolutely doing Novel November, and the lovely thing about Novel November is it times out perfectly with finishing this. So if I'm finishing this novel on October twenty fourth. And I'm then driving down the mountain and ideally sending it to my first wave of agents on October 25th or 26th or whatever. What that means is I can just give myself a little break. Hey, I deserve it. Relax until, you know, the the evening sets on Halloween and then wake up November 1st and begin novel November. And what I'm going to do is I am going to crank through the next novel i'm gonna i'm gonna start off the next novel by doing the spaghetti draft you know the vomit draft i like calling it the vomit draft because you know death metal right so uh (laughs) yeah i mean i i'm gonna set a personal goal for myself of four pages a day of first draft just you know because that that's the point of uh you know the artist now known as novel november right for you to crank out an entire novel in november it's crappy and it's first drafty, but the point is you don't even edit words as you go. You know, that's the ideal for Novel November. If you misspell a word, fuck it, keep going. You'll fix it later. The idea is to get yourself out of this edit-as-you-go mode, wordsmith yourself as you go mode, and just kind of lizard brain it and do that for the entire month. So I'm going to, much like I did this whole minimum of six pages editing a day, and I finished way, you know, way faster than that, I'm going to do a minimum of a thousand words a day. And it really shouldn't take that long if I know what I'm writing once I sit down to write. And I'm not even thinking about editing. I'm just typing and going forward. And uh, by the end of it, what will that be? That'll be 40,000 words. So again, I'm not trying to write a whole novel, but I think that'll mean I am, I don't know, 160 pages of first draft finished by the time I uh, get through the end of November with uh, my my boat launch of novel number two that I can start working on. Yeah, and you were you were excited to work on that anyway. You were in the midst of your first one. You got some ideas when you went on vacation, yes. and uh, you were you were champing at the bit. So that's cool. Yeah, I'm man. glad you're going to do it. I wasn't sure. I, I was am. just like, yeah. oh, I'm not sure if he is, but uh, glad yeah. you are. Yeah, no, I, I it's funny because I was going to announce it next week because that podcast uh, will air on uh, on Halloween, so that'd be a great time to do it. But yeah, man, you beat me to it. You outthought me, and and of course <laughs> I'll still work on comics as I go um, because I can fit that in. But novel will be the thing I work on and make sure I get the work on first every day right on man very cool all right how about you thing number two um thing number two so i had a um my long-standing client who loves mermaids and he loves me drawing mermaids for him he actually sent me a piece that was drawn by another artist a while back he actually doesn't remember who the artist was it was kind of dashed out like all of the information was there um it was just very messy and He's like, hey, can I scan this into you and you ink it, you know? And, um, or no, actually he wanted to give it to me in person at like 
one of the local conventions, which I didn't do. And I mm-hmm. said, no, you can, you can actually scan it to me and I can work on it digitally over and then send it to you. And you can let me know if that's good enough. And then I'll print it out. I'll ink it traditionally. And he said, yeah, sounds good. So he did that. He managed to finally get it over to me. It was quite a while after we had that conversation uh, to the point where I thought maybe he did find an artist at the show to do it. Um, mm-hmm. But he did get it over to me and I inked it digitally all in a day. Um, I didn't like the way the person drew the female's face, um, uh, so I redid that, but everything else was pretty much there. I just cleaned everything up, I tightened things, and um, I made it flow a little bit easier, and I sent it back his way. So I was really happy with that. I think, you know, I, I finished it relatively quick, uh, quickly for how much work I had to do. So I'm excited to hear back from him, and hopefully he does just send the approval and says, go ahead, start inking. And uh, that'll be knocked out relatively quickly. It's a lot of background. And, um, but it's, what's nice about it, it's like foliage, you know, it's you got, you got plants, you got rock, um, some river. So nice and easy. Everything is organic. Um, it'll be an easy piece to finish. Nice. Nice, dude. That, that's good. That's good. So, um, uh, hey, I, w- what convention was he at? New York? No, no, he was. It was at a local to to okay. California. It was, was either in say, LA. I knew he traveled around the Southwest, but shit, man, if he's traveling to New York, yeah, I think it was. I think it was an LA convention. So, like, okay. I don't know which one, but it was one of those LA ones. Gotcha. Oh, hey, so I got a couple of. Uh, how many more things do you have? One. Okay. All right, you do yours, and then I have a couple of house house cleaning things I want to do after that before we get into the main topic. Okay. Yeah, my number. So my second thing. It's sort of a half thing, but I'd rather go ahead and bring it up sort of before and after the fix, as opposed to waiting until after the fix. And that is, I got my notes back from Mike on animals. And he gave me like eight line edit things that strike me as rather easy fixes in looking at them. And then, but the big note was that he thought the ending was not big enough and cliffhangery enough. So while I haven't implemented it yet, I can say that the hard work has been done. So he gave me that. And this is what we talk about. I talk about a lot on the writer side. So much of writer's work is not putting pen to paper. It's formative thinking. It's walking around. I mean, again, that look, that gives writers an advantage over artists because artists put in most of the work in terms of physically making the comic. Writers put in a lot of work in their brain in advance as they're trying to work stuff out, right? So I did work out the fix and I I proposed this fix to him. And again, while staying vague, what I, I then sent it back to Mike and I said, okay, so he's like, it needs to be bigger. So I, I, I thought about it and then I got back to him and I said, okay, so what if I took this thing and made this specific fix, which made it bigger and a bit weirder And the best part about this bigger, weirder thing is that, number one, two best things. One, it was where I was thinking of taking the book in volume two. You know, I had had a previous idea of Animals volume two, but now that I've rethought it and now that I actually have an artist that I'm going to pay to just whip up art from scratch, that allows me to scratch a lot of what I wanted to do in volume two instead of you know what you've talked about Scott like man I 
I sympathize with you trying to continually just fit things to the art that exists. Well, I don't have to do that anymore. So I can rethink everything about Animals Issue too. And I was rethinking, and I'm like, ooh, that would be a really cool direction to take this story. So I told Mike that, hey, this was the direction I was probably going to take the story anyway. How about I tease it and put, you know, make that the cliffhanger? That's the first good thing about it. The second good thing about it is the backup story that I got commissioned for it plays right in to how the direction I was going to go in act, you know, act two slash issue two anyway. Oh, nice. And then he, and then he was like, perfect. Like that, that was all he needed. He was like, yep, that's it. Boom. I think his response was actually boom. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Rocking around me or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So no, again, I feel good about that. It's, you know, writing is problem solving. And so I solved that problem. The thinking is the hard part. The execution will be easy. Um, you know, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna quick throw in a bringing the bullshit thing. I haven't been in the mood to execute it because while it's not gonna take that much time for me to do it, I have been sore as fuck because I played basketball, ran full court for Ooh. like an hour and a half for the first time in since COVID two nights ago, and uh, yesterday, man, I woke up so tight, and and I was tired. I was actually tired. Like I was just thinking, like, man. Man, do I want... Through the day, I was like, man, do I want to get home and just lay down? I didn't want to sleep. I just wanted to lay down. I just didn't want to sit in the chair I was sitting in, <laughs> you know? So, uh, I and and I still ache pretty good today, and we are 48 hours after playing. So, by tomorrow, I should be fine, and I'll be, sure enough, ready to go on, to, you know, league night, basketball night next week, because I'm starting up for about six weeks now, but oh my God. So, it was great to get back out and run. It was great to know that... Dude, I had to run with people 20 plus years younger than me, but I held up. I I kept I kept up, man. I played good defense. I did all the stuff I'm supposed to do. So I was thrilled about that. I was not as thrilled with waking up just feeling like I was a a stiff board (laughs) the next morning. I've been what I was. I haven't played in in a while either. Um, Just I kept getting knee injuries. But what I was doing was going to our pool, like our community pool right after at night. So the water's a bit chilly. And so, like, you know, instead of taking ice baths, I was going straight into a cold pool and just kind of laying there or just like kind of like walking around a bit and just, you know, standing mm-hmm. there, sitting there and taking it. And then I go into the jacuzzi for a little bit and then I'd go back into the pool. And like that seemed to remedy a lot of the pain, not all of the pain, obviously, but yes. um, it, it definitely helped a lot. But my knees have been so jacked. I haven't been able to play in I don't know how long. It feels like a year. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. but you can, you know, again, if your knees feel up to it, then by all means do it. I, I have an injury that I'm fighting through. In fact, I had a doctor's appointment that day and I got some stretches that I can do. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's kind of psychosomatic because I was thinking about it in the morning. I, in the morning, I actually, like, I'm standing there in my, like, bedroom and I'm like, let me just practice going side to side on defense. And I did. And I was like, oh, oh, OK. Yeah, that hurts. That hurts a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so then that led to I happened to have a doctor's appointment that day, just a routine physical. Right. Yeah. Just to check up on it. And I asked him, hey, are you, you have any stretches that I can do for this? He was like, sure, let me give you the stretches. So I got the stretches. I played basketball a couple hours later. I didn't even think about it, honestly. Um, in fact, um, well, I, I hey, I'll, I'll I'll say that to you in person when we hang out. We've brought enough bullshit in this section, and 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 people like oh, people are just thinking like, God damn it, basketball season's back, and Keith is playing it. 
Like, isn't aren't aren't June through September fantastic for the lack of basketball? But it is back. It is back. <laughs> Didn't they make a rule? Aren't they supposed to do this at the end? <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. This podcast yeah. is free, and we drink beer, so our minds just go where they go. And this is our life. This is our life. Like yeah. I played basketball. It affected my productivity because I was sore and I was tired. <laughs> you know, so anyway, all good. So you said you had some housekeeping stuff to do. Yeah, it's actually just one. So yeah, the the um, novel November was one of them. The other thing was last week or two weeks ago, we were describing backgrounds, artists, and you were talking about Jeff Darrow. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he's a maniac when it comes to lines. And I was trying yeah. to think of a word. Yeah. I could not think of it. It's maniacal. Mm. The word was mm. maniacal. He's maniacal <laughs> when it comes to drawing. He has to put down. Because I was like, it's like maniac. It's like a plural of maniac, but plural wasn't it's, the right word, right? It's a, it's a word a lot like maniac. Yeah, it's maniacal. <laughs> See, I I didn't realize I needed to stay that close to the gravity of the word maniac. <laughs> Here I'm going like, you know, whatever I said, right? Fastidious? Yes, it was <laughs> yeah, fastidious. And I was like, that's yeah. definitely not it. It sounds like a good word, but it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like maniac. Yeah, it was maniacal. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was listening, yeah. you know, like I always listen back to the episodes for quality control. Like, do I sound stupid? Uh, or like did we misspeak about something did like you know because we're drinking beers here so sometimes yeah. you mean to say one thing you say something else and yeah. i was listening and i was like you idiots maniacal and i'm thinking <laughs> to myself as i'm thinking that oh i bet you most of our podcast listeners are like it's maniacal you moron it's maniacal <laughs> well guess what guys i figured it out it's maniacal <laughs> Two weeks later, party people. Yeah. I did it. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> that was 100% Scott there. He didn't have to have a stat boy Steve hit him up and go like, was it maniacal? <laughs> we didn't have to have a listener do it. We didn't have to have people give us a five-star rating and say, and by the way, Scott, it's maniacal. <laughs> you know, so yeah. All good. I would I, Honestly, I would have appreciated it if a couple came yes. in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, that reminds me. I I actually had a uh, a listener. I still haven't fucking watched it either. I had a listener go like, "You watch episode one of The Wire yet?" And I was like, "Nope, I gotta watch it." And that was eight oh, days shit. ago. Yeah, I yeah, still haven't was, fucking watched it. It was a while. So ago. I'm. I swear to God, I'm gonna watch it this weekend. I'm gonna watch it this weekend, and then please hit me up again and be like, Keith, if you don't tell me about episode one, I'm going to give you a one-star review <laughs> just to prove a point, you know? So, <laughs> but don't do uh, that. Seriously. Don't do that. Seriously. Come on. The only rating you can give us is five stars. And we both know that nothing me, else is allowed. Listener. Don't do it. Yeah. Nothing else matters. Metallica. Okay. So let's get to our main topic. And that is making every word and line count. So Scott, was we were brainstorming episodes, um, ideas, and and here's how the brainstorming went. It started with me saying, Scott, I don't have any ideas for this week. Do you have any ideas for this week? And so he came up with a couple here. And one of the ones that we really liked was the idea of making every word and line count. And that comes from, I think it stems, its, it's seed is from the idea of the learn from the prose uh, article in Wizard. And it was one of the things there where it was talking about making every word count. And so Scott had the idea of expanding that to every line. But you had a really cool quote, Scott. I didn't know if you wanted to talk about that a little bit, that that the thing that was basically the seed that this episode grew out of in terms of making every line count. 
Well, well, honestly, that that article itself, there was some stuff. So um, when we talked about it initially, like I knew a little bit about it, and I was able to grab some lines, and I was like, you know, this is what's really interesting. Like just hearing other writers talk about, you know, their aspect of it, their their view mm-hmm. on it. And so uh, John Byrne, all beginners are verbose. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, that's interesting. And I started thinking about that. And like my limited writing that I have done when I was younger, I remember trying to be all poetic and shit. And it's just like, yeah, okay, I can see that. Like just as an artist who is dabbling, like that's very much, mm-hmm. very much accurate. Like how do you feel about that sp- specific line? Oh, I definitely have thoughts about that specific line. I think I think we are inclined to be verbose. I think in general, you know, the funny thing about overtelling, overwriting, over anything is it comes from insecurity. It comes from author insecurity because you think you need to say a whole lot of things so your audience understands. And you don't. Like we talked about before, there's this idea of the pendulum of or, or the needle of where you want to fall. You know, you, you want to give your readers enough to make them think. You want to explain it enough so that it's clear, but you don't want to explain it so much that you're spoon feeding them. Absolutely. And so ver- verbosity is is too much. You know, verbosity is too much. And, and again, so beginning writers, yeah, it's it's less confident. And, and some of the notes, it's funny because that note comes up sometimes in the workshops that I do where, where people are like, you know, I've gotten this through the years, through the five-year journey of this novel, almost five years. It's not five, but it's close. And, and it's like, wow, Keith, your writing's gotten a lot more confident, you know, and that's, that's what I think it stems from. It's like, I'm not, I'm not overdoing it and explaining it to you. I'm giving you stuff and letting you go like, oh, okay, that's what he's doing there. That's what's going on in this scene. So yeah, man, I I, I totally uh, agree with that that sentiment. I also think it comes from inexperience. It, you know, it might not always be insecurity, and and there's definitely some of that there, I'm sure. But a lot of it could be just from inexperience. Like I remember working with Travis uh, Revis from the Accidental Aliens, and I was like, hey man, I'm doing some stuff for my website. I want to have some like content that's only available there hey, you can write me a short story for this Halloween thing. And then he gave me the script back. It was it was pretty good. It was pretty solid. But there were parts where he was over-explaining what was going on. It's like, uh, so I had to give him a couple of notes back. I was like, hey, man, these are great. They're pretty easy to draw, pretty fast, good direction and everything. I was like, here's, here's something with the dialogue. You're basically explaining what the art is showing. Like, there's no need to do that. You're hand-holding. Mm-hmm. So... You know, notes like that, it was it was just for him specifically, it was inexperience. You know, it's just like paint a picture to me, your artist, like what you want to be happening in the scene, what you want the characters to be doing, the actions that they're doing. That that's okay for me. But that's not what the dialogue that that's not what the dialogue needs to show. Because mm-hmm. the image already is going to show that. So just say what the characters are saying. You know, this character is flying through the scene the scene smashing this guy into this guy you don't need to say what she's doing or a, a, a teammate doesn't need to explain what that person is doing 
just have her say something funny or have her talk to her teammates, maybe even about something else. Like it doesn't need to be what she's specifically doing because it's a visual medium. We can see it. And he goes, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. So, yeah, it's, it's some stuff like that. Um, also, I, I should have kept going there. John Byrne also go on, goes on to say, I think it must be generation, generationally encoded. Many write drawn-out caption to describe what in the artwork he explains rather than playing off the art and enhancing the story. So that actually goes hand-in-hand hand with what I just talked about with Travis. Yeah, I would say, though, it's not... A, I mean, if John Byrne is saying it is a generational thing, because look, this right from the prose article is from what, 2002 or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. Uh-huh. So we are 20 years in the past for this article. So I can only hope, because if John Byrne is talking about younger, inexperienced writers at the time, then what he's probably referring to is the kind of people who weren't published at all in the 2000s. Because as I've read through my comic collection, you know, we've talked about this before, right? I did the, the Stan Lee, well, I didn't know it was Stan Lee at the time, but the Stan Lee impersonation of you see Spider-Man swinging through the city attacking, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, burglars. And it's like, Spider-Man swings through the city attacking burglars. It's like, no shit, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. <laughs> That's a great Stan Lee. <laughs> so, so anyway, so, you know, and, and for me, when I buy a lot of 1970s style omnibuses as a writer, it's like groaners, you know, because so much of it is that so much of the writing in the 70s is explaining stuff that's on the page. So I like to think that there's been an evolution that when you look at modern comics, there's a lot less of that because we all agreed you shouldn't do that. You know, so if John Byrne's talking about younger writers at the time that this article got published, he's probably probably referring to the kind of people that were not getting published at the time and couldn't get gigs. If it's generally generationally a bit of an older thing, then I can get that because, again, the 70s and maybe early 80s were just rife with this kind of stuff where people over explained what was going on on the page. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That part of the story also goes on to say, and I don't have this in quotations. Again, this was like talk to text when I was was checking this out. Uh, New writers want to cram in all of the jokes, funny business and cool scenes they've been wanting to write all their lives. That's that that's that's right in line with what we've talked about before with research. You know what I was just thinking about? I was just thinking about let me think about this. I was looking at my bookshelf. And I have this book on my shelf that I paid good money for. I got imported and I read the whole fucking thing. Okay. Scott, how many words in my novel did that book impact? How Just take a guess. How many words in my novel did a expensive book that I got imported that wasn't even available in the United States that I had to figure out how to get? How many words in my novel did it give me? I want to say a dozen. This is three. It gave me oh, three. three. Okay. Three. Three words in a 71,000 word novel came from this book. And it's like, that's how research works, man. You know, like you do all this cool research, but what you don't want to do is have that research influence a thousand words, 1500 words, 2000 words, because odds are in my first draft, the research did. And somebody read it and they said, cut that shit it doesn't have anything to do with your story right you know so same thing with cramming in all the jokes same thing with cramming in all that stuff you know have it it's it's inexperience it's insecurity it can be one it can be the other or it can be both 
you know, put put your faith in the fact that you can have a long career at this and you don't have to fit in everything you've ever learned and every joke you ever wanted to do in your first five issue series. And you know who's going to back you up? Jerry Ordway. Um, you want to fit in all your favorite little bits, but it's so hard to work them in smoothly, says Jerry Ordway. You have to shrug it off and tell the story. So, yeah, it's great. It's great to know that you get these articles from these mega creators, these, you know, mega stars, these superstar writers, and they're co-signing what we're saying. Because we know what we're mm-hmm. saying. We do a lot of work in order to get where we are and present this work to you guys. So, you know, making sure we're giving you good information. So that's great. Um, yeah, this is so interesting, like going back and dissecting that article mm-hmm. a little bit more and you get a little bit more nuggets. So, um, yeah, this all per- this also pertains to art. You know, like when I was younger and, and granted it was the 90s, so it was the thing to do. I would put a thousand little lines all over my art, uh, all over my characters' faces, bodies, what, whatever. And when I was doing it back then, I didn't know why I was doing it. But I was doing it because I saw my favorite artists do it. Now, maybe not all of the artists that I was following in the 90s knew exactly why they were doing it. Um, but I know my most favorite ones did. And like seeing it now and going like, oh, I remember when I was doing that. I remember my first beer. Um, like, <laughs> like I'm just doing it to do it. Like there, it, it, I'm doing it because they're doing it, but I don't know why. And looking back at old artwork, it's like, yeah, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know why you're doing it. And it's until you fi- like figure out the human form and the way muscles work and uh you know just the way everything connects that's when you really get a grasp of why you would be putting those lines down you know you're creating shadow you're creating a gray tone you're creating depth and you need to know how things work in order for that to work for cross hatching to work so what i started doing um as time went on like as i started getting a bit older I started doing less and less cross-hatching because I didn't understand it. And I was like, you know, I just don't get it. And so I'm going to simplify this until I really figure out the human form. Until I know how the body works and, you know, go from there. And I found that I just do like a more open line style. I do like having open figures, not so much cross hatching, but when I need it, I know how to do it and where I need to put it. So when you're first starting out, Try not to do it so much. Wait till you're figuring out what you're doing before you're just throwing down a thousand lines on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And and I think so. That is that is very interesting. It rings, you know. It as with as usual, it it makes a couple ideas sprout up in my head. And I think back to when we were starting this. You know, you're you're you are feeling your way through. You are just putting out art while you figure out what to do, you know, and, uh, and odds are, if you know what you're doing, even from day one, at least that's going to serve as an interesting signpost for you to look back on and say, okay, this is what we're doing again. We've, so I'm going to give two examples. Number one is this podcast. If you listen to, if you listen to episode, oh, I don't know, four right now, you're going to notice that there are some things, look, we did a bunch of things that we still like doing, but there's some stuff that's new. And we like, you know, something we've talked about, I think even last episode, is to continue to evolve the podcast so it doesn't become the exact same thing. 
I wouldn't be surprised if episode 143 is different from the one you're listening to right now, slightly, right? We're probably going to make some mild changes or we will have moved on to a new place. So part of that is just evolution and figuring stuff out. But part of it is also taking the time to find your style. And uh, so, yeah, what Scott is telling you right now is the kind of thing that can jump you a little bit ahead. And what we've talked about with writing is the type of thing that can jump you just a little bit ahead so you don't have to go through as much of that growing pain type stuff where you're over-explaining, where you're over-drawing. Again, here it is. Here's a shortcut right here. It's a shoots and ladders. What's that? What's that? space you can land on in shoots and ladders where you go from like 11 to like 92 or some shit like that oh come on oh my god i'm so old <laughs> yeah i was like i don't play shoots and ladders like I okay don't... so there's an old board game that i played as a kid called shoots and ladders and all you do is basically roll die and move to spaces and if you land on certain spaces there's a ladder that takes you higher up on the board okay and if you roll on certain spaces there's a shoot that drops you down on the board and all you have to do is get to the end while avoiding certain peril and and hitting all the good spots. Anyway, I hope that makes sense. And if not, <laughs> God damn it, somebody send me a text and tell me you get this reference, okay? Like, just please do it. <laughs> please do it. So anyway. Oh, man. Uh, you'll hear from Ed, I'm sure. Yeah, t- dude, 16 ounces at 9.5%. This is what you get. I'm right? feeling pretty good at 7, at 7% as well on these 16 I mean, ounces. I'm feeling pretty good, period. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling all right, you know? Uh, so, but but the other thing too is, again, it, it's about it's about working through it and finding your style. And if you can find those shortcuts, then by all means do it. So you don't have to learn from your own mistakes. You can learn from other people's mistakes. Right. And you know, when I'm talking about putting a thousand lines down on the piece of paper, like if that's your style, then that's your style. But what I'm talking about is understanding why you're doing it. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the takeaway uh, from what I'm trying to tell you. Like there's yeah. plenty of artists that I love that throw a thousand lines down on the paper, but but that's their style and they know why they're yeah. doing it. You know, just before you start doing that, like deconstruct a little bit, figure it out first, and then you can start adding those lines as much or as little as you like. Um, you know, it's interesting when I listen to other creators talk about other artists. Um, or just people that are like super fans of, of art and just like describe it very well. And they talk about Frank Miller and they talk about Jeff Darrow or Bruce Tim. You know, they talk about how their styles evolved. You know, when they first saw them, there was a lot of lines on the paper. And as time went on, they learned how to put less and less lines down on paper. And, and you hear them say they put down the perfect line. Instead of putting down five lines, they put down one, but it's the one perfect line that you need. Now, that's just an interesting take. It's all dependent on your style, but I like the idea of it. It's just like, yeah, I don't I don't need all that cross-hatching anymore. You know, it is cool when certain artists do it. I love it. It's like my favorite thing, but mm-hmm. I'm learning personally. It's not my thing anymore. You know, it's just like, look, I like those chunkier lines. I like more of an animated look. You know, I deal, I do still love that Jim Lee 90 style. And there's definitely a lot of it in my work still, but it's like more of a cartoon mold with, with, you know, combined with that. So it's something mm-hmm. different. Um, you know, and it's just, like you said, you got to find your style. Once you find that style, then that style will continue to evolve. It'll be different. And like a good way to look at this is hopefully you have some old drawings. When you first started drawing, whenever that was, when you were a kid, hopefully you have some, some of those drawings saved. And then when you were a teenager, an early teen, preteen, you have some drawings from that era. 
and then you have some teenage years, you have late teens, early 20s, you know, to however old you are now. Look through those, look through that work. Hopefully your style has progressed. Hopefully your skill has progressed um, as time went on. You know, every couple of years, hopefully there's a jump. And, um, you know, that's that's a matter of finding your style and, and just becoming better, becoming better at art. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that that falls in line. You know what I thought of when you were talking about that? I'm going to try to dig this out of my collection somewhere. I'm not sure where it is. But when I was at Comic-Con one year, they were doing sketches by a bunch of artists. And I happened to get some drawings by Francis Manipool, who did The Flash at the time. Yeah. I have this sketch of Wonder Woman he did. And he had a black, like, it's a magic marker, okay? It's not even a Sharpie. It's a goddamn magic marker. The dude must have put, I don't know, 15 lines on a piece of backing board. It's Wonder Woman. It's brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. It's just like swoosh, 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 bup, 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 Wonder Woman. And it was like, God damn, is that getting in effect with a minimum amount of lines or what? So yeah, absolutely. Uh, if I'm, I'm going to dig through, hopefully I'll remember this after the episode's over. But if not, this will air and then I'll remember it and I'll dig through my collection and I'll find that uh, that sketch by him. Because it's such a great example of how just a few lines can get you everything you need um, in terms of, of drawing something. Very, very, very cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And let's see. I have some bullshit, but the question is, do you? Oh, yeah, man. I got a couple. I figured because we were super light on the bullshit the last two weeks. And, you know, hey, bullshit's like this. It builds up. Yeah. So, so In my wallet was like, hey, man, I think it's time. <laughs> so what I went ahead and did was, number one, I fucked up. So the first purchase I did out the gate after like a month, it feels like, from ebay i was on ebay i have my notice for golden age daredevil the public domain daredevil and i saw issue 26 come up and i was like oh a 20 issue for around 60 dollars or best offer i was like let me see if i can get it down or you know it was like 65 bucks and i was like let me see if i can get it for 50 and he wouldn't do it i said okay 55 he wouldn't do it we got to 57 he said okay he took 57 and I was like, all right, man, hell yeah, another another issue I can check off my list. Mm-hmm. So I went to my Golden Age Daredevil list, and sure enough, there it was. Issue 26 was already on my list. I already had it. So I went <laughs> I went ahead and wasted $57 plus shipping. So that was a great way to start. <laughs> <laughs> setting it off. You are and, setting it off right yeah. there, man. And uh, what I did today, though, was to remedy that, I had a a notice come in, a saved eBay notice, for Fear Agent. So Fear Agent is actually a title I've been collecting, and I haven't mentioned it on the air. I mentioned it a long, long time ago, I think. A long time Mm ago. Um, But since I've been collecting the whole series, I wanted to make sure I finished it before I mentioned it again. Well, I got the complete series, and I had some extras. I got some doubles. And honestly, the series is not very long. It's 32 issues. So I got, I think, about eight doubles, uh, including eight or nine doubles, including issue one. I think I have seven copies of issue one. So I was like, you know what? The series is so cheap to collect that I think I'm going to get a second set. Just because I love this series and I believe in it. And it's been optioned for a TV show, I believe, uh, by Seth Rogen. And 
if that goes through, this series is going to take off because the series is fucking so good. So mm-hmm. I wanted to get two complete sets, one to keep, and then once that series launches, that second set can go away. I'm cool with it, make a profit. But as of right now, you guys can go on eBay and you can pick up, I think my comics, my comic shop, uh, if you search on that on eBay, they have a lot of the issues for around 250 like 240 mm. to 290 and um, or maybe even like 350 at the most, something like that. So you can pick up a good majority of this set at very, very cheap. And I wanted to make sure I finished that second set before I got to tell you guys. So this is one of my favorite series. It's by Rick Remender, uh, Jerome Opeña, Tony Moore. Um, it's, it's pretty badass. So if you get a chance, it's Space Cowboy. It's a Space Cowboy story. And, and so fun. So check that out. I finished the second set. Very happy about it. And uh, yeah, that's it. Okay. So I, I do have some bullshit to bring. And for the first thing, I want to... I almost like Brian Clark, like you might need to cover your ears a little bit here. Because last weekend I went back to Minneapolis again for uh, Eden's fencing. And it, dude, it was a wild ass. Like when you think about it, such a wild ass trip. So what had happened was we had booked it for leaving early Saturday morning so she could fence Sunday. And we were going to leave very early Monday morning, 5 a.m. Minneapolis time, 5 a.m. Minneapolis time. Ooh. That was when our flight was. So that would mean we'd have to wake up at 2.30 a.m. Oh. Minneapolis time just to just to get to the airport and then because the point was to get her back by like school starting right because that's the thing we're juggling this schedule with when you know eden has a desire to miss as little school as possible so all we can do is respect that so we we go up there on saturday and we get there in the evening because you know you spend your whole fucking day flying like we 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 were in dia for five and a half hours which I got to say, wasn't too bad because we found a spot that had like a place where you could charge your shit. Um, I felt like when I'm in the motherland, why not have some Coors Banquet? So I did. <laughs> I could have gotten some fancy shit, but I was like, no, fuck it. I'm having Coors Banquet and I'm having two of them over the next two hours. And I did. And I felt really good. And I wrote because why not? You know, and, uh, and I was doing that. So like it felt like the whole fucking trip was in DIA, basically, you know, so. We get out of there, we get to Minneapolis, we get to the hotel, we wake up early the next morning because, of course, she fenced in the morning. Then she fenced. But in the meantime, I woke up and then Rachel had texted. She's like, are you sure you don't want to come home tonight? And I'm like, you know what? I might. So I looked into flights and there were two tickets left on the last flight out of town. It was a lock. I I actually should have booked it before. But I didn't because what happened was I just sort of booked the trip before I knew what time of day Eden was fencing. Because if Eden was fencing at two, I'm not trying to catch the last flight out because I have a rule with her fencing, which is I hate I hate not planning for success. You know, you never want to have your kids start at two and then be like, oh, I don't know. We have an eight o'clock flight out because what happens if she wins? What, what happens if she's in position to win the whole thing? I never, I never, never, never want to keep like success must be factored into every plan I do. And um, so and then the when the schedule got announced like a month and a half ago, I forgot to change my flight. I should have then, but I didn't. So what I ended up doing was I'm faced with this quandary and I'm like, do I pay all this extra last minute fees just to get home, be home by 10 and spend the night in my own bed instead of waking up at 
12.30 a.m. local time, right, the next day, which is not barely even the next day. And I said, you know what? Yes, it is worth it. So that's what I did. I booked a, I rebooked a flight, so we left on Sunday. And uh, But in the meantime, I you know, we're back in Minneapolis. And, you know, when we went there over the summer, I, I, I had an opinion on Minneapolis. And I got to say, by being in the downtown, now, in fairness, this is Minneapolis downtown. Okay, And I believe I said a couple months ago that after being in Minneapolis, I'm having a hard time figuring out the pulse of Minneapolis. And I think that's because it's not one of those cities that does anything downtown. You know, like businesses are downtown, but businesses being downtown in the time of COVID means nothing. You know, like people don't live there. I don't see people living downtown in Minneapolis. So as a result, it's like a hollowed out husk most of the time that I'm there. You know, um, there's a football stadium downtown. And as luck would have it, the home team played on Sunday. So that meant, yeah, there was a little bit of hustle and bustle. And I found a really cool pizza spot there. It's called Pizza Luce. And uh, I enjoyed the pizza thoroughly there. So I do want to give that a shout. But like, it was tough to exist in downtown Minneapolis. You know, like she fenced at 8 a.m. on the Sunday. I could not find a cup of coffee. I couldn't find one. Nobody was open at 9 like, like the only place that opened for coffee was the place in the convention center at 7 a.m. And of course, I'm not there at 7 a.m. I'm there earlier. And I'm like, I would like some fucking coffee, you know, but it wasn't even open yet. And then you go around locally. Nothing is there. There, there are like Starbucks and they don't open until like eight or nine on a Sunday. Now, there may have been one in a hotel six blocks away. I don't know. But I couldn't find any that were even open at like seven in the morning. And it's like. That is so tough. And then if you want, so if you wanted to have breakfast, there was nowhere to have breakfast. If you want to have dinner, there's nowhere to have dinner after 6 p.m. Like only one or two restaurants in the whole downtown around the convention center are open past 6 p.m. And it's like, what are we supposed to do with that? You know, right. even even the convenience stores, the Target, everything's closed by 6 p.m. Wow. The whole damn thing shuts down at 6. So it was it was brutal for that. Cause there was just nowhere to go, you know, but, uh, but anyway, so it's like, I, I really, I want to love Minneapolis so much, but it's, it's not, I mean, dude, Prince is from there. You know what I mean? Like right, what more right. do I need? You know, well, he's technically from Chanhassen, which is, you know, I, again, I've been to Paisley park and it was amazing, but it's like a suburb. And I get the feeling that that's just sort of how Minneapolis is, right? People live outside of the city and they work inside of the city, or at least they used to before COVID. So mm. I'm holding out hope because I just I think that area is so cool and I have had my share of cool things. But man, second bad experience in Minneapolis, you know, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? But hey, on a better note, on a better note, Scott. So I'm going to tell you right now for for a reason that I'll tell you offline. I am going to spend very little money on comics. I'm basically putting myself on a on a used comic moratorium for the next eight months which means all I'm going to do is buy new books. Okay. So everything I, I'm, I'm not, hey, I'm not neglecting my new books. I love Comic Book Hideout and I love reading new stuff. So this might be the last like semi old comic purchase I'm making. But guess what, Scott? I was listening to you on Shaolin Cowboy. Oh, nice. Because I bought issues one through five through things through from another world. A lot of them were below cover. So by at the end of the day, this whole thing came to me for less than the combined cover price of all five issues. Hell so yeah. I now have Shaolin Cowboy Cruel to Be Kin numbers one through five. I just opened that package as Scott was talking. On yeah, I saw thing, you. And I'm 
and I'm ready to go. Yeah, you got um, that nice Mike Mignola variant. Hell yes, too. yes, again, yeah. I, I just, I basically just went for whatever the coolest variants were. But yeah, Mike Mignola is always a good way to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, and then I had one more. I had two more things. But do you have anything? Yeah. Else? Um. Well, number one, enjoy those that series. It's cuckoo yeah. bananas. It's it, in the best possible way. I love it. It's just like seriously like a drug trip. It's just like, or you just had too much hard liquor and you're just writing a story with your friends and just bullshitting yeah. as you go. And that's what it feels like. And it's just so, so fun. Like, I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. It looks it looks fucking gonzo just by looking at it. So yeah. perfect. Um, my last thing is, so previously on Making Comics, we talked about She-Hulk and how neither of us really liked it. Mm-hmm. It got really good, man. It got really good. By So my best friend watched it, uh, episode one, and he seemed to enjoy it. And I was like, I don't know, man. It just seems like kind of like Allie McBeal if she was a Hulk. And he goes, yeah, I, I liked Allie McBeal. And I was like, okay, well, right on, man. And he's like, yeah, I really liked it, actually. And I was like, all right, I'll give another watch. And I watched it again. I was like, okay, I, I get the vibe. I feel it. And then the second episode, I'm like, yeah, it's still, it's still only okay. It's okay. Issue three, I was like, hey, this is, or episode three, I was like, this is getting better. Like, hey, this, there's something here. And then by episode four, I was like, I like the show. The show is good. It looked good. Yes, I, I will say it's good. The show is good for what it is. What it is, is not a superhero show. It's just, it's all character development and it's fun. Like she's just a fun character. It's, it's actually pretty funny at times as well. And then, um, uh, from what I understand, the last episode just dropped. I have not seen it. The episode before the last episode was awesome. I was like, this is a great episode. I love this episode so much. Um, so I think Rachel would like it. Um, I think this is a very female-friendly show. It's not only directed at females, but I think it's very female-friendly. Um, I'm enjoying it, man. Yeah, like, as it's going, I'm like, right on, man. I get it. I get it. The thing I do like about it is the same it, one of the things i like about it is the same thing that i liked about moon knight where it's like yeah these characters are in the mcu but they're not avengers so you're not getting the formula that you get with all the other movies or tv shows you know like uh falcon and the winter soldier it's just like yeah this is this is mcu this is totally mcu and uh you know there's a couple other programs like that hawkeye was a little different it's like a christmas special mixed with you know the mcu um, you know, Moon Knight was, was Moon Knight, um, which I really enjoyed. And She-Hulk, the TV show is She-Hulk, the comic book. It's just like, yeah, cause that's what comics are. Not everything is the same. You know, the vibe of Guardian, the, of the Guardians of the Galaxy, when it first came out, it wasn't the vibe of the MCU. It was its own thing. But since it was so popular, then movies like Thor, Ragnarok, it started kind of like leaning more towards that world. So it's more of a blend now because you have, you know, the Avengers world mixed with that Guardians of the Galaxy world. But it, it that's kind of like, that's what I think of these TV shows. It's like, yeah, you get a hint of it, but it's kind of its own thing. Like even Ant-Man. Ant-Man is small world movies. It's like, okay, heists. It's not world threatening. It's like, yeah, it's these small events, you know, and, and it's kind of just like a, it's a um, heist movie, you know? So that's, mm-hmm. that's the thing I really appreciate about She-Hulk is it's not just like any of the other product. It's its own thing. It's, um, you know, it's just character development and she's, she's a very fun character. Gotcha. Well, I'll let Rachel know that if she wants to watch it on her own time, that it got recommended by someone. <laughs>
I, I have watched the first three episodes of Andor, and I have heard that four and five are very good. Okay. Um, but I also think, you know, also what I've, what I believe, I, have you watched any of it I yet? I have not. Not yet. Okay. So what, what I, what, where I, so here, here's all I can say, Scott. I hope you love it. Okay. But it's slower. The first three episodes. That's okay. I don't mind slow things. And, and, and the kind of people who like Andor so far are the kind of people who like Empire, Revenge of the Sith, and The Last Jedi. So I'm just I'm just giving you a little bit of a fault line there. Okay. Two two out of three ain't bad right there. Hey, this this and this might be like Kong Skull Island. Because one of the reasons we all loved Call it Kong Skull Island is we had zero expectation for it. And then we watched it, it was like, actually that was that was pretty good. You know, and then the more you watch it, you're like, that was that was quite good. You know, so, you know, I'm, I'm just tempering your expectations. Yeah, I'm tempering your expectations a little bit. I hope you love it, and I hope we talk about it. I still have a couple episodes to catch up on, but um, it's getting really good reviews, and I did enjoy the first three. But I enjoyed the first three for their own reasons. The pacing is slower, but I like slower pacing. I yeah, think me too. Slower I got no pacing is that. a lost art uh, to some extent in shows these days. So Absolutely. anyway, that's, that's all I've been watching, and I'm still a couple weeks behind. Um, okay, so I have two things that I'm going to get. I'm going to move out into the stratosphere and troposphere here for a couple of them, for at least two. Number one, although this is going to come back to uh, to a making comics thing we've talked about. So I'm on the plane. So I forgot to mention that because I moved my our flights up, what that meant was I was basically like, I, I was in Denver International Airport from like 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Saturday. And I was again in Denver, Denver International Airport from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Sunday. <laughs> you know, Jeez. like I'm right, I'm right there again. I'm right here in fucking DIA. Like you know, so, so yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where obviously, if you're spending less time in the city that was your destination, you're spending more time on planes and in airports. And so, for the fuck of it, because I had gotten through all this work that I'd been doing that I've been talking about, I was like, let me let me watch something. You know, and I scrolled through the movies and I'm like, eh, let's not watch Tenet again. You know, Um, and I was like, let's watch Ready Player One. I read Ready Player One a couple months ago. Let's watch it. I'm eager to watch it. So I watched it. Have you seen it? I have. Have you read it? I have not. Okay. So let me ask you, what did you think of the movie? Uh, It was only okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's right where I am. And and I'm, you know, one thing I don't like being is that book was better in the movie than the movie type asshole. Right, right, right. But I, I, I'm Nobody not going to say Nobody likes that person, the... by the way, you listeners out there. No one likes that person. No one likes that person. It's okay to think so it. here's... It's okay. You don't yeah. have to tell everyone. Yeah, exactly. So so here's, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to rephrase it in a way that's acceptable, basically. The, the, what I think made the movie okay is that the movie succumbed to the because it's cool problem, which we talked about on a recent episode. Right. The movie basically decided to cherry pick the coolest shit from the book mm. and then write around that without the proper level of like character development, plot explanation, or all kinds of stuff. So there are a few things in that movie where I saw them happen, and they would happen later. I'm like, wait. When the fuck did that plot device happen in the movie? I mean, how about this? Without giving too much away, there's a plot device involving a coin. Mm-hmm. Where in the book, it's laid out quite clearly. And in the movie, it happens, and then like the coin comes into play later, and you're like, 
when the fuck did he get that coin again? You know, and then you're mm. like, oh, that's right. That's when he got the coin. And then the plot explained away the coin later on in case you were missing it. But it was all a bit too fast and it was all a bit too short. And it was the because it's cool thing. So, again, I'm not here to make judgment on whether the book is better than the movie. But I can say that I think that the movie suffered a little bit because of the because it's cool problem. Because they cherry picked all the cool stuff. And, and what was left was build up to the cool stuff without the kind of development you need to make that cool stuff pay off. You know, let me explain more what I what I said earlier there. You yeah. you can mention that the book's better. Like that's okay. But when you're an asshole about it, that's when it's a problem. Like I've said I've talked to people, I mean this is years ago. You know, when when things were coming out, um They'll be like, oh, my God, the book was just so much better, like, blah, blah, blah. And, like, you're talking right. down about it. But you're, the, the part of it, about it that I hated was I was a person saying how much I loved the movie because I hadn't yeah. read the book. So that's where right. the problem is. It's like, look, if, if the movie is clearly worse than the book and, like, everyone was like, yeah, it was fine, th- then I think it's okay to go, you know, the book is so much better. Because every they're like, people talking about it aren't like, it was the best movie ever. You know, you're not right. shitting on them and their opinion. And that's the people I've come across that do that type of thing. It's been when I was like, oh, I really like that movie. And they're like, ugh, yeah. no, the yeah, book, the was, book better. was better. Harry, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone was yeah, better because like, they include okay. the second Quidditch match. Like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, go, go fuck you yourself. Know? How about that? Yeah. You know, yeah, it's exactly. just like I'm, I'm relaying to you that I really enjoyed it and you're shitting on it. So that's right. that's the part that's not cool. So that's when I say no, I, I, don't be that person. That's the person I'm saying not to be. It's okay to admit when a book is better, and you can talk about it glowingly, like, oh man. So okay, when you remember in the movie when you saw this, well, in the book they do this and this and this and right. this and this. And if you're laying it out and you're like, oh shit, that does sound cooler, and exactly. and like that's a good way to do it. Just you just got to do it with right. some tact, is all. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, and a great example. Hey, this may be a random connection, or it may not. Is The Shining. Because mm. The Shining, the novel, is different than The Shining, the movie. I happen to think they're both super awesome, but they're both super awesome in their own way. Because okay. the movie is quite different from the book, Ask Stephen King. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyway. So, yeah, I, I, thought, I thought Ready Player One, it, w- it was fun. It was great to see some of the cool shit in the film. But in the end, what you remember is the cool shit and you're left confused with some of the other stuff because that was all cut in service of cool. Right. Mm, and so yeah. anyway, that that was what I wanted to talk about there. But anyway, so, hey, with that, we've come to the end of the episode, which means that for Instagram, you can find me at Keith underscore invader. That is me posting about five times a week, something like that with all kinds of stuff. I got photos. I got, I obviously have some screen caps of the books that I'm working on and books that I'm reading and all kinds of good stuff. And then if you just want giant monsters, you can go to at Kadoja Kaiju. That's all one word, but I post far less frequently through that. So, Hey, we got something for everybody here. And you can find me at Scott Lost, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. I pretty much post up art there, and um, that's almost about... No, I, I post my dogs. Get yeah, some, sure you do. Yeah. Get some footage of my dogs there, and um, yeah, I don't know, man. There's your, things your there. stories. Your stories are much more... Like, you may not do a shitload of posts. I mean, you're posting, like, the Drawtober stuff, right. absolutely. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to, like... As long as you're following Scott's stories, then you're following Scott. 
because yeah, there's a lot much. of cool shit that he throws into his stories, whether it's a beer he's drinking, uh, he's hanging out with his family, he's buying comics, he's at a Golden State L.A. Lakers game, Hell he's at yeah. anywhere. Hell yeah, party people. Season opener. So, um, so anyway. Yeah, there's all kinds of cool shit there through Scott's stories, even if he's posting about only the comics he's doing. And so for me, a website, KeithRFoster.com, Kadoja, Giant Monsters Meet HP Lovecraft, Three Protectors, Kung Fu in Space, and there is a store there if any of those things tempt you and you just want to get going on the story. Hey, I'm waiting for you to just grab something there, so go for it. And you could get my books at AccidentalAliens.com, Second Shift, The Tale of Minimum Wage Workers During the Day and Superheroes at Night, and Wanders of Melisanda, Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs versus Humans. You can find that at AccidentalAliens.com. There are also Accidental Alien Anthologies 2018 and 19 still available, but um, they are selling out fast. There is only a handful left, so get those before they're gone. Those will not be reprinted. There's also Tales from the Mothership. That will also not be reprinted. So pick those books up at AccidentalAliens.com. Yeah, and here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm going to make a little contract with you. It's episode 101. <clears throat> 101. This is the last... 101. <laughs> this is the last time I am going to talk about, at this part of the show, giving us five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please do it. That's all we can say. I have not decided... If we're simply going to drop this as a topic, but you can feel free to do it, or I'm going to rickroll you every now and then, and I'm just going to bring it up in the middle of an episode. But here's what I know. I'm never going to bring it up at this point again. Okay, so we're Because evolving. Keith and I are swapping. He's going to talk because... about the email, and I'm going to talk about five stars. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, we, we say it. So anyway, so yeah, if we want to swap, fine. But my, my idea is we're just going to move on. So anyway, give us five stars. It helps. It helps the algorithm. You know our stance on algorithms, and they should be your stance too. And you could get a hold of us, and you want to talk to us about your stance specifically regarding algorithms. Go to makingcomicspodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, shoot us a message there if you like the podcast we're doing, the episodes, whatever, whatever we're talking about. If something sounded interesting, you want to talk about it more. You want us to talk about it more, I should say. I've been drinking beer. Um, hit us up at makingcomicspodcast at gmail dot gmail dot com. Yeah, totally. That's exactly <laughs> it. making and comics. Hey podcast at gmail.com it's easy for me yeah, to say and, and look in in the united states it is getting very close to election time and what that means is any human being in the united states is getting election commercials election emails in my case and election pamphlets up our ass everywhere so you know now's a good time to talk about some of the stances we have right like like i have a radical pro five star on apple itunes and spotify podcast stance i think you should give that to us right that's the kind of platform that i'm running on scott what what kind of radical stances do you have when it comes to the election coming up i always say your star your choice so <laughs> i believe what you do with your stars is your decision but only if that's five stars for us. Um, you can do <laughs> one star for another podcast that you don't enjoy as much, um, but you have to give us five. So, that's do you it. think? Do you think the government should get involved? <laughs> should the government be be hands on or hands off in terms of star ratings on iTunes and Spotify? 
Your star is your choice. Government has no say in your stars. Exactly. exactly. Unless, unless, unless you're saying you're going to give us one star, and then I think everyone should get involved and make you not do that. Exactly. I am pro-big government if big government in, is involved in forcing you to give us five stars on Apple, <laughs> iTunes, and Spotify. <laughs> So look, those are the those are the kind of radical stances that we're taking here in favor of us getting five stars on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify. So uh, so anyway, so hey, I think we did it. We probably queued up the music a while ago. And, World's best uh, cup and of hey, coffee. Yeah, man. And hey, you know the deal, man. I'll see you next week. Actually, I'll see you in a couple of days, and we're gonna grab some comics and we're gonna have some beers and food. Hell yeah. Yeah yeah.
I was a little sloppy that episode. I think it's, I, I'm tired. I didn't, I didn't get a lot of sleep, so I was just like, oh, I'm off today. 